not last week, but the week before, I talked about Hebrews chapter 10 and just the importance of gathering and the fact that like being here at church when the church is open um, is important because church is not primarily about us as an individual. It's not like about us coming and feeling good about ourselves. It's about primarily coming to not only serve the Lord, but by extension in serving and worshiping the Lord, serving those around you. And so whenever you um, withhold yourself from gathering, you're not just withholding yourself from youth group or from church as a whole, you're actually withholding yourself from real human beings, like the other people around you. And again, I just want to be clear, like church is like a lot of times it's weird. You're going to be around people that are just different than you. And guess what? If you think someone's weird, most likely that person also thinks you're weird, right? Because typically when someone is different than us, we just assume like, man, they're very odd. Well, they may be odd, but most likely you're also odd. So it's just the way it is. And it's the life that we have been called to live. And if you have been called to faith in Jesus Christ, this is the body that you have been called to. This is the family that you have been given. Uh, tonight, though, I want to look at Colossians chapter 3. And I want to look not in particular like why is church important, but why specifically is youth group important? What purpose does youth group actually serve in my life? Because it has to be more than just coming and getting some pizza, playing some subpar games, um, and then sitting in a room and listening to this person talk like about stuff, right? It has to be, has to be more than that. It has to be specific to growing um, in, in our faith. And so when I ask these two questions, why is youth group important? Uh, how does it actually serve me in my life? Two things come to mind for me. The first is this, it teaches you to value gathering together with other believers. Whether you believe it or not, what you're doing, and I'm serious, please hear me when I say this, what you are doing right now, whether you're a sixth grader or whether you're a senior getting ready to graduate, the things you do now are the things you're practicing for the rest of your life. You, you may not think that this is a very important time in your life because you're just a kid and you get to live a, a worry-free kid life, but the things you're doing, the thoughts in your head, those are actually things that you will take into adulthood with you. And so what I'm telling you is your practice, your view of church, of gathering together with other believers, even right now, is forming the view that you will have for the rest of your life. Now, you may go through a time period like I did where I was in college undoing all of the things I had learned as a child and then as a teenager. I spent a whole lot of time undoing my wrong thoughts and behaviors. And what I'm telling you is I don't, I don't want that for you. I want you to realize that there's someone who's willing to stand up here today and tell you that the things, the thoughts, the beliefs, the views, the patterns, the habits that you have now, those are actually formative in your life. It's not like one day all of a sudden you're going to be 19 years old and then all of a sudden you're an adult and you just got it all figured out. Most likely when you get to the age of 19, you're going to be so confused. So number one, it teaches you to value gathering with other believers. And then number two, it's a place where you can grow in the faith with other people in your stage of life, right? So not only does youth group teach us to be a good church member eventually, it also helps us to cultivate a desire for the community of believers and then an, also a desire for his word. One of the things we do that's most important here is what we're doing right now. Now, granted, I will assume and, 
and, and I get it. I totally understand. It's 720 at night. And you're thinking, well, this is actually the most boring thing we will do tonight. I understand that. But whether or not you think it's boring or really interesting, what I'm telling you is it's the most important thing. It really doesn't matter whether you are like, man, this is just so awesome. You have such good stories, which I don't. I get it, right? This is the most important thing. So let's, let's look. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And this is Paul saying, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so I see from this text two important aspects of gathering. And these are not revolutionary. They're not crazy. Um, it's nothing likely that you will have maybe ever heard, not heard before. Uh, but I see two things. So verses 12 through 14, the first thing is this. Put on after you take off. So the reason I say that is in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 3, he says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we are to put on after we take off. One of the reasons we come here, one of the reasons we come to church on Sunday mornings, one of the reasons we come to youth group at night is because it serves as an outlet for training in godliness. What Paul is telling us is that the reason you come together as believers in Jesus Christ is because you are learning and practicing what it is to be godly. You have been made new in Christ. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you have been changed. You're not the same person you were. Now, what happens when you become a new person is you have to learn how to be that new person. And Paul is telling us, okay, you're not the old person anymore. So now when you come together as a group of believers, and listen, by the way, I know that not all of you are believers. I wish that you were. But the truth is, is that not all of us here have trusted in Christ. But it still rings true that when we come into this place, we're learning what it is that God has for us in terms of how we think, in terms of what we believe, in terms of how we act. And so Paul is saying, when you come into this place as Crosspoint Youth, what you're doing is you're, you're setting yourself up in this place to learn what compassion is, to learn what kindness is, to learn humility and patience and forgiveness and love, and then how to use them. How, how to incorporate them into your life. Not only in this place, but then when you leave this place and you go into school tomorrow, you will have not only learned what it means to be compassionate, but most likely you have had the opportunity to be compassionate. I would assume that at any moment in youth, you have two options. Number one, at, at any given moment, you have the opportunity to judge someone or to look upon them with compassion and kindness. 
right? Whether it's us playing dodgeball and you see this guy come up and he's super buff and he throws it and he's like, huh! and you're like, did he just squeal like a girl? That's not an example out of experience. I'm just saying it's probably something that could happen. And, and you're thinking like, oh man, this guy is like, that was really embarrassing for you. And then maybe you're like, hey, friend, did you hear that? <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden you were making fun of someone. There are moments. Or, or maybe we're playing a game like this and someone does something that's weird. And then maybe you're like, hey, friend, check out how weird that was. Or you may have an encounter in small group where someone says something and they reveal something about themselves and you're like, oh, I could never, I, I, would, I would never. And you have, you have the choice. Am I going to judge that person or am I going to put on humility, understanding that I'm no better? Right? What Paul is telling us is you, you don't just learn about what it means to be godly. You don't just learn who God is. You learn who he has called you to be, and then you have an immediate outlet to practice those things. The person that you're, you're seeing over here that's sitting all by themselves, you can practice immediately compassion and kindness by walking over and talking to a person you've never talked to. This, this moment in, in the week is so much more than it just being about a good time. This moment is about growing in the faith, actually putting on the things that the Bible calls us to. And guess what? You don't have to be an adult for this to happen. In this hour, you can actually do these things. So, for instance, let, let me give you an example. Think of like a sports team or a, a band or a company of soldiers. The sports team, they don't just get together when you see them on TV, right? You do realize that, right? The Cleveland Cavaliers, they don't just exist when they play games. Do we know that? Or you uh, are watching, I'm going to go with Ohio State sports. I'm so sorry for all of you. All, actually, all of you. Uh, it's just me. Uh, or you see the uh, greatest marching band in all of the land, the Ohio State University marching band. You see them go out and they're like playing, but they're also doing these crazy like figures that run across the field. And you're like, I don't understand. And uh, you do realize that they don't just go out and make Mario run across the football field as they play their little things and they're all like walking and, you know, right? That they don't just go out and do that. And you also realize, especially for, I mean, if your parents are in the military, you definitely know this. Men and women don't just get together and they're like, hey, um, anybody up for war tomorrow? Uh, war, anyone? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we're going to get on a plane at uh, 0500 tomorrow, uh, going to Afghanistan. We, we realize that none of those things happen like that. More than all of those moments are the unseen moments of practice of training. And I think so often we get caught up in having like a finalized product, like, oh, look how godly I am. Look how wonderful of a Christian I am. I love the Lord. Hashtag Jesus saves. All of these like awesome, beautiful things. But what we forget is that God in his word has actually called us to gather together to practice these things, to, to train in what it means to be godly. And guess what? The training ground for that is the church. It's not your bedroom. You should be praying and reading scripture in your bedroom. You should be doing family devotions if that's what your family does. You should be gathering with your family on Sunday mornings. You should be doing the young life and all of the other things you like to do during the week. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things, but what I am saying is that the Bible is very clear that we are called into this place to train, to grow up in godliness. Because here's what happens when you go train. Whenever you're on a sports team, let's just say you're on a basketball team, let's just say you made the Cavs, right? Let's say you make the team, and I'm just going to throw it out there. It's not hard. Anyone that wants to be in a professional sport, you can probably make the Browns or the Cavaliers. I mean, it's just, you can do, 
Y'all's parents are like, listen, you need to quit thinking about sports so much. You're not going to be famous. Move to Ohio. You can be a professional athlete. <laughs> Especially if you want to play football. The Browns will take any of you. But, but here's, here's what happens. So you go into the gym for basketball practice. You go up. You're running drills. You go shoot a layup, and you like do it real weird. You like kick your leg out, and you like throw it. And everyone's like, wait, everybody, stop. What was that? And the coach walks out and he's like, hey, I don't know what that was, but please never do that again. Practice is a time where you, you bring yourself with a group of people that are dedicated to the same thing and you open yourself up for critique. You open yourself up to let people say, hey, that layup is ugly. Actually, that's not really a layup. That was like a weird three-point shot from like the free throw line. I don't know what it was. You you maybe need to run some drills on that. You, you maybe need to work on that area of your game. But it also allows you to look around and help other people in the areas where they need help, right? That's why gathering is important is because you grow, but you also dedicate yourself to helping other people grow. And that takes a particular amount of humility. But here's what happens. As the individuals grow, the team grows. As the team grows, the individuals grow. It is almost always true. And when the team grows and the team is doing well, we end up finding out who's not really there for the team. And sometimes that's painful, but it ends up making us healthier. All right. So the second thing, the second thing is verses 15 through 16. And let me just reread those for you. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So how do we do these things? How, how do we come here and grow in godliness? Because I mean, to tell you the truth, like you might be sitting here thinking, okay, well, that's all fine, but I am just a kid, right? You're talking to me like I'm an adult, but I am a child, unless I'm talking to my parents, in which case I am an adult, right? I'm just a kid. You, you can't expect me to be godly. You can't expect me to come into this place and put others above myself. And here's the deal. Uh, you're going to struggle with that for the rest of your life because you were born in a, a social media era. Everything you learn every time you get up on your phone is to be about yourself. And I hope you do realize that. Like, that's not an indictment against you. Um, that's, that's a warning to all of us. Mostly what social media does is call us to be about ourselves. And so we are being trained to be individualistic people that are about ourselves. And what the Bible says is, no, when you come into this place, when you gather, you're actually not to be about yourself, you're to be about everyone else. And so how do we do these things? Well, the answer is really simple, actually. Much harder to do, but very simple to say. The answer is let, right? Verse 15, and let. Verse 16, let. So what are we letting? Well, the first thing is this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So how do you come here and grow in godliness? Well, the first thing is this, you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So what you need to realize is that the gospel of Jesus Christ actually frees you up to grow in salvation without seeing your salvation as dependent upon how awesome you are. If you want to let the peace of Christ dwell over you, you need to realize that Jesus has died for you. He has stood in your place 
and God finds you pleasing to him, not because of how cool or awesome or wonderful or social or how many friends you have, but because of what Jesus has done. And so if you want to come here and grow in godliness, the first thing is to have a peace about the fact that Jesus has done the work that you could not do. That you get to come here and be justified before a righteous, holy God simply because you have confessed your sin and trusted in Christ. And that will free you up to realize you don't have to come in here and be awesome. You don't have to come in here having had a great, wonderful week. You don't have to come in here having read your Bible every single day until this moment. You don't have to come in here having prayed every day, two hours a day. You can come in here in the worst possible state, and if you have trusted in Christ, you can have peace. And that is freeing, because it doesn't matter the argument you had with your parents right before you came in here. It doesn't matter how much you despise your brother or your sister because they ate the last caramel turtle brownie. Um, Thanks, Chels, by the way. Um, Any of those things, none of those things have to upset your ability to grow in godliness. Because number one, your peace does not come from you. Your peace comes from Jesus. And on that note, can I just tell you, if you're an unbeliever and you have had a hard life, and maybe even your life is still really, really hard, can I just tell you that I know what you're going through, that I come from a broken home, that I have gone through extremely difficult things that young children should never have to go through. And none of that has inhibited God from being able to use me because he's not reliant on me. He didn't need me to have a good background. He didn't need me to have an awesome relationship with my mom and my dad. And my peace does not come from those things. And then finally, let the word of Christ dwell in us. What Paul means by this is that when you have been enlightened to the gospel, when your eyes have been opened to see the truth of the gospel, that God is a kind, loving, merciful, gracious God to someone that's undeserving of that grace and mercy, right? That message moves us to want to live out the gospel, but, but not just like by ourselves in our closets, like together. When we understand what God has done for us in Christ, we want to get together. And that's, that's the part about like, like singing psalms and spiritual songs, like we get together and we all realize, hey, I'm a sinner undeserving of grace. I got to get together with other believers and like talk about this stuff. Like I got to let other people know how good the Lord has been to me this week. Like I've had such a bad week and then I came into this place and so-and-so said hi to me and they invited me over here. And like the Lord just has a really cool way of like lifting my spirits when I just don't feel it. And then we understand that like we, we want more of that gospel. We, we crave more of it. We want to understand it more. We want to grow in it. And, and we want to live it. We want it to guide the very way of life that we, we live. We want it to encourage us when we're down. We want it to bring us joy when we're happy. And we also want to encourage other people and rejoice with other people when they're feeling bad or feeling good. Because ultimately the reality of the gospel is that we were undeserving and yet God chose us. And, and then we ask the question, okay, well, why? Why any of this? And verse 17 tells us everything. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because Jesus has done, for those who have trusted in the cross of Christ, because Christ has done that for us, then we should quite literally do everything for him. And what does that mean? It means living a life that is sacrificial in every way. Loving people when they don't deserve to be loved, forgiving people when they don't deserve to be forgiven, 
and showing grace when we've not been shown grace from them. Mm-hmm.